Do you usually sing on Sunday? Yes. What do you sing? Hare Krishna, do you sing? Gangamaya Jumuna Devi ki jai, Bhakti Devi ki jai, Tulsi Maharani ki jai, Samaveta Bhakti Vrinda ki jai, Gaur Premanande. All glories to the assembled devotees, all glories to the assembled devotees, all glories to the assembled devotees, all glories to Sri Guru and Garanga, all glories to Sri Prabhupada. Nama Om Vishnu Padaya, Vishnu Prasthaya Bhutale. Shrimate Bhaktivedanta Swami Niti Namane Namaste Saraswati Deve Goravani Pacharani Nivasesa Samirani Paskachadi Satani Vandeham Sri Guru Sri Yuta Padakamalam Sri Guru Vaishnavamstra Sri Rupam Sagradatam Sagana Raganatam Vitam Sam Sajivam Sadvaitam Sadvadutam Parijana Sahita Krishna Chaitanya Deva Sri Radha Krishna Padam Sahagana Lavita Sri Vishakam Vitamstra Vanshakalpachibhishtra so, I was asked today to speak something about Lord Jagannath and Vathyatra. And where else to go for that? Right? Majulila chapter 13. Uh, the Lord's dancing in the Vathyatra. And we find here something very interesting. Uh, I'm just going to so My daughter pointed out to me. And I was, when she pointed it out to me, then I read through all the verses again, which I don't know how many times I've read them, many. And it was like, oh, look what was hiding here in these verses. Have you had this experience? Yeah? You read the, whatever, Bhagavad Gita, Bhagavatam, Chaitanya Charitamrita, Nectar Devotion, any of these books, and you can read them and read them and read them and you can study them and you can meditate on them and you can go to classes on them and then you pick them up and you read them again and you go, where did that come from? <laughs> There's some new insight. There's some deep insight. And that goes on, my dear friends, forever. Forever. Even the Lord likes to read the scriptures over and over, you know? Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he would like to read with Gadadhar Pandit, and they would like to talk about Dhruva Maharaj. That's interesting, because Dhruva Maharaj is given by Rupa Goswami as an example of a Kanista devotee, one who wanted artha, one who wanted wealth from the Lord. And still, Mahaprabhu is reading this and crying with Gadadhar Pandit, so much so that the Bhagavatam was ruined from all the crying. <laughs> Today we have printed books, doesn't happen so much, but when you know you write it with ink, 
on leaves, so if you cry too much when you're reading the book. <laughs> so they're always finding newer and newer meanings. So we were coming to this deep meaning of who's Jagannath? Who is he really? You know, we can say all of the forms of the Lord, they're all one. We're monotheists, one God. And yet, the Lord has, that can mean the Lord's form is unlimited, like Mother Yasoda tries to tie a Krishna and she can't because, you know, he has his belt on, but she still can't dry him, dry him up because he's unlimited. She looks in his mouth, she sees the universe, but it also means that he has unlimited forms. What do we compare the number of incarnations to? Does anyone know? Krishna has as many incarnations as there are? Waves in the ocean. How far are we from the ocean here? 20 miles only. So everyone's seen the ocean, yeah? So, and each incarnation has a somewhat different mood. Krishna is called Akila Rasamitimurti. He is the sum total of all possible flavors. Like there's ice cream shops, they have many flavors. Yes, everyone has seen ice cream? Who here has been to Dubai? Anybody been to Dubai? Did you go to Govinda's in Dubai? No. Oh, that's like going to New York without going to the donut plant. <laughs> you cannot go to Dubai without going to Govinda's ice cream shop. So there is Sitapal ice cream and Chiku ice cream. So with the rasas, we talk about five primary rasas, seven secondary rasas, but these combine in unlimited ways. And those are the stai bobs and the, the vyavichari bobs, all the different moving emotions. So Krishna is experiencing all of these. And Sanatana Goswami gives a commentary in the 10th canto, chapter 13, when the Lord appears in unlimited Vishnu forms, all the, each coward boy and each calf appears as a different Vishnu form. And Sanatana Goswami says that each form of the Lord has unlimited qualities, but every jiva is especially attracted to one particular quality and has a particular flavor of rasa in relation to that quality. It's explained when the Lord married 16,100 wives. Please do not try that at home. Unless you can expand yourself into 16,100 forms, that's no problem. But when he did that, each form was a little different. Why? Because each wife was relating to him in a little different way. We find that even in an ordinary family. So these are your two sons, yes? So they each see you a little differently, I'm sure. Yes? So the relationship of each jiva with the Lord is a little different. Krishna enjoys a different flavor. With each of these queens, he has a different flavor. With each jiva, it's a different flavor. And the jiva is also enjoying a little different flavor. Still, each incarnation has some primary mood. Of all the incarnations, all the waves of the ocean, each incarnation has a particular mood. You know, Rupa Goswami looks at the 12 rasas and each of them has their own deity. Like for Korma, it's Adbhuta. Wondrous. 
For Parasrama is mudra, anger. So each incarnation has, for Krishna, of course, it's Madhuri. So Jagannath is in a very particular mood, and this is a mood of separation from Vrindavan. This is his particular mood. So we want to first look at what do we mean by separation and union, because the whole mood of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, of Jagannath, and of the Radhayakri festival is that of separation and union. It's actually an incredible festival. Srila Prabhupada called it a feeling festival. Did you know that? Prabhupada said this Rathayatra is a feeling festival. So we're going to look at separation and union. We're going to look at Jagannath in the mood of separation, Mahaprabhu in the mood of separation, how Rathayatra is a separation, union, and then we're going to look at two verses in this section of Chaitanya Charitamrita that can explain how we can get there ourselves. Is that all right? All right. So first we're going to paint the destination and then we're going to figure out how we're going to get there. I was meeting with a group today where our assignment is what is our vision for society. That if ISKCON was successful in accomplishing its seven purposes, what would society look like in general? And so we were discussing this and one of the members says, it seems like it's going to be really hard to get there. And I said, let's first figure out where we're going, and then we'll figure out the route, right? So we're going to be understanding where are we trying to go with this mood of union and separation. So generally in this world, uh, we have a little parody of union and separation called Bogatiyana. That's our perverted reflection. You've heard Prabhupada talk about a perverted reflection, right? In the 15th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna talks about the upside down banyan tree, or Dramulam, the root is sticking up. The banyan tree is upside down. So the banyan tree reflected in the water, it's a reflection, but it's perverted. It's, it's upside down and it's rippling. So we have this perverted reflection of union and separation called Bhogatyaga. We enjoy something and have, then we have to move away from it. We can't enjoy something all the time. Like if you really like pizza and you have pizza for breakfast and pizza for lunch and pizza for dinner and pizza for breakfast and pizza for lunch and pizza for dinner and pizza for breakfast and pizza for lunch and pizza for dinner. I read this true story, true story. This teenage boy got a job in an ice cream shop. <laughs> Sorry, another ice cream shop analogy, but it is a true story. And part of his perks for working there was he could eat as much ice cream as he wanted. So being a teenage boy, he ate as much ice cream as he wanted. And by the middle of August, ice cream made him nauseated. <laughs> and he said, but he kept eating it even though it made him nauseated. And he said, by the end of August, he could never look at ice cream. For the rest of his life, he could never look at ice cream. So we need some Bogatyaga. We, we, if we enjoy something constantly, it becomes boring to us. And then after boring, it becomes actually repulsive. The very thing that we enjoy, we become what we call satiated. We, enough, we say enough. I don't want to enjoy that anymore. I need a break. Prabhupada gives the example, even if a person likes his job, he wants to take the weekend off. And after enjoying the weekend off, he wants to go back to work. Like many people, after they retire, they want to go back to work. You've heard that. 
So, but in materially, both the boga and the tiag are not satisfying. It's not that when you eat your ice cream or you eat your pizza, you're totally satisfied. We were saying in the car, what is happiness? Because we passed, again, ice cream, sorry. We passed an ice cream shop that says they sell happiness. You fall past that? It's on the way here. They say ice cream, selling happiness. I thought, that's interesting, you know. I wonder how much they charge. So, it's not like if you go there, I'm sure. I have never gone there. I probably will never go there. But I'm, I'm absolutely sure that even if you eat their ice cream, you will not experience what Krishna says in Gita 6.20, boundless transcendental happiness experienced through transcendental senses, achieving which you think there is no greater gain. That doesn't happen. The rich, powerful, famous, beautiful, intelligent people of the world are not all totally satisfied, are they? Everyone's thinking, if I could get a high-status job, a lot of money, a beautiful spouse, lots of fame, lots of respect, and you get all that, and then people what? They get divorced. Isn't it? Right? They get addicted to some alcohol or some drug or something. And Rani Kashipu got the whole universe. And he was always intoxicated and always yelling at everybody for no reason. That's how you know somebody's unhappy, by the way. If somebody is short-tempered, you know they're not happy. So the boga doesn't make us happy. You can have all of it. You just open the news any day and you will see some rich, famous, powerful, intelligent, beautiful person who is unhappy. Isn't it? Yes? We all know this. And yet we still look for it. Isn't that strange? We tell our children, if you want to be happy, get all A's in school and go to Harvard and get a high status career and make a lot of money and marry a rich, beautiful spouse and have a big house and two cars and a flat screen TV and then you will be happy. But we know that doesn't work. And neither does Tiaga make us happy. We say, all right, I'll just walk away from everything. You know, I won't do anything anymore. I won't work at a job. I won't get married. I won't have the high status. I won't do anything. What's somebody going to do? Just sit in front of the TV or something and eat chips all day? That doesn't make people happy either. Or even you just go to the beach and you lie in the ocean. After a while, we get bored. Just with the Tiaga. When I was uh, 16, I went with a youth group in Jasper Banff National Park in Canada. And we went to Lake Louise, one of the most beautiful places in the world. Crystal clear, pure lake from melted glaciers. And I was sitting in an island there, just sitting by myself, and I was meditating. And I thought, I could stay here forever. And then I thought, actually, I couldn't. I would get bored. I'd want to be with people. I'd want to do something. <laughs> you know? So the, our boga doesn't make us happy, and our tiaga does. That's why we keep switching. We renounce for a while, and then we have to enjoy. And then we enjoy for a while, and then we have to renounce. And we renounce, and then we have to enjoy. And, we, and we're never happy. And we're just bouncing. But this boga tiaga is the perverted reflection of something real, where both are happy. And this is the meeting and separation. The sum, right? The union with Krishna and then separation from Krishna. So when one is with Krishna, one never gets satiated. One doesn't get bored. One certainly never gets repulsed. Krishna is Navayovanam. He's, he's ever youthful, but he's also ever new, like we were talking about in the beginning. 
We just read a verse in the Shastra and it's always new. Interesting. I mean, it's really interesting. I was thinking in the Kirtan at the festival, you know, we were at the end, Janavi was leading, and I'm thinking, she's made a career out of just saying these 16 words over, and so really only three words over and over. That's her whole career, you know, is just saying three words over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. But it's always new. The, the Acharyas uh, write about how Shimati Radharani, she sees Krishna and she turns to, I think, Lalita and says, who is that boy? <laughs> and her friend says, oh, you've seen him many... No, he's new. I've never seen him before. Yes, we come and see the deities and we're like, oh, whoa! <laughs> so beautiful. So meeting Krishna is always fresh. It's always fresh. I mean, eating prasadam is not like eating ordinary food. You've experienced this? Yes? It wasn't my first time eating prasadam, but I remember the first time I had a sandesh. So I was 17, and the devotees packed me a lunch to take to work. So I, I couldn't wait until lunchtime. <laughs> I opened the bag before I got in the train. And, and I was a chef. I was actually a professional chef. And I, I take out this sandesh, and I took one bite, and I'm like, what is that? And all day I'm just meditating on it, you know, and I come back and I said, what is this? Oh, milk and sugar. I said, no. <laughs> they said, little lemon juice. Said, Maybe that's it, you know. <laughs> I, I remember being in, um, in Puerto Rico and we did a program at the university there and one devotee made cookies. Simple as cookies. Butter, sugar, flour, baking powder. Maybe some vanilla. You cannot make simpler cookies. So we did a preaching program there at the end of the class. I never ate any of the cookies. I was answering questions from the professors and the students. But people were eating these cookies. At least 40 people came to me and said, what's the recipe for the cookies? And I thought, they'll be so disappointed. <laughs> but it, it's, it's always fresh. It's like, ah, cookies, it's flour and butter. <laughs> so the meeting with Krishna is always fresh. It's always new. There's never a satiation. It's interesting. Materially, we don't get satisfaction like that. Rolling Stone song, you know, there's, there's no satisfaction, but there's satiation. We don't get this boundless transcendental happiness. We're not fully satisfied, but whatever it is, the pizza, the movie, the money, whatever. But we're satiated. Without being satisfied, we're like, enough. And spiritually, when you meet Krishna, there's no satiation and full satisfaction. You're fully satisfied and you always want more and more and more. And the gopis dance with Krishna for a night of Brahma and then it's like, we have to go home? We just started. And then separation from Krishna, our acharyas explain that when you're with Krishna, you see one Krishna. When you're separated from Krishna, you see Krishna everywhere. And we experience this even in an ordinary level, that when we're away from someone, we may be more absorbed in them, at least temporarily. If we're away from someone for too long, we forget about it. Isn't that a fact? Unfortunately, that's, that's just the way it works in this world. But at least initially, in separation, we become more absorbed in them. 
Now, what is the most pleasurable thing in this world? It is love. It is a feeling of being in love and being loved. It's actually, materially of course, it's madness. It's, it's an intoxicated kind of madness. Whether you're in love romantically or whether you're in love with your child or whether you're in love with your country or you're in love with some ideology or you're in love with your computer. Or, it, it's a kind of madness actually, right? But it's very pleasurable. We, we love the feeling of being in love with something. Therefore, Prabhupada says, if you have no one to love, you get a dog to love. Or we fall in love with some cause. Right? Some ideology, some whatever. You, know, and you see people become obsessed. People become, they fall in love with the political leader. Whatever. But it's being in love. And what to speak if the lovable object is a supreme person? We get joy from being in love with our spouse, with our children, with our job, with our country, with some mission, with some ideology. But if we're in love with this, with Akila Rasam Rilamurti, the personification of all possible tastes, how much taste can I get being in love with a husband, wife, child, mother, father, country? It's limited, right? Even if, even if it's a beautiful relationship. It's still limited. But with Krishna, it's unlimited. So therefore, Krishna says to the gopis, this is very significant. This is very significant. He says, I cannot repay you. And what does he say should be their satisfaction? Their own love and service. He's saying, your feeling of love towards me, that should be enough. Because the feeling of being in love with the perfect person is enough. And that is there in union and in separation. In fact, separation can even increase it. Therefore, in Vriyad Bhagavatamrita, Gopakumar explains that Krishna in the spiritual world is going and coming to Mathura. And he says, well, you may ask, why do we not go to Mathura with Krishna? And he says, we never want to leave Vrindavan even when Krishna is apparently absent. He said, because being in Vrindavan in separation from Krishna, this happiness dances on the heads of all other happiness. And if you've read Brihad Bhagavatamrita, Gopakumar really knows what he's talking about. He became a king on earth. He became Indra. He became a sage, a prajapati, he became Lord Brahma, he was in the subtle coverings of the universe, he was with Lord Shiva, he was in Vaikuntha, he was in Ayodhya, he was in Dwarka, he was in Vrindavana. So if he says that being in Vrindavan in separation from Krishna dances on the heads of all other happiness, he's actually experienced all other happiness. So this is a little background on this meeting and separation. Now we're going to look at Jagannath and Chaitanya. So Jagannath is in this mood of Krishna hankering to go to Vrindavan. I mean, I know usually I think about the mood of the residents of Vrindavana feeling sad, apparently sad. It's Karuna Rasa, it's an ecstasy that Krishna has gone to Mathura or Dwarka. I, I tend to think more in that way. Krishna is fine in Mathura and Dwarka. He's with Vasudeva and Devaki and Rukmini and Sachabhama and Sachaki. And he's, he's fine. He misses them, but he's fine. That's usually how I think of it. 
But everyone in Vrindavan is just heartbroken. You know, Uddhava comes and Mother Yasoda can't even stop crying to talk to him. And Uddhava basically says to Nandamaraj, our Acharya's explained, you know, if you're so grief-stricken, why don't you get out? Like we might say to someone who's grief-stricken. Just get out of the house. <laughs> and he says, I can't. Wherever I go, I see, oh, Krishna did this pastime here and Krishna did this pastime here. <laughs> you know? So I'm usually thinking about the separation of the residents of Vrindavan. But Krishna's also feeling great separation. And in this Madja 8, uh, from text 149 to 160, so we don't have time to read this now, but I'm going to really suggest, not Majja 8, sorry, Majja 13, that in Chaitanya Charitamrita Majja 13, to look at text 149 to 160. And this is the explanation of Jagannath's feeling of separation. That he's always hankering for Vrindavan. If the Lord is Akila Rasamrita Murti, he also wants to experience this feeling of separation for the devotees to increase his love for the devotees. It's not all going in one direction. You know, a materialistic, egocentric, narcissistic demon wants everyone to love them, but they don't love anybody. The quintessential demon, they want everyone devoted to them, so they can use everyone as an extension of their own senses to do their will. But they exploit others. They don't love them. The loyalty is all flowing in one direction. So when Krishna is saying, Sarvadharma and Prichaja, Mamekam Sharnamata, Manmana Bhavamad Bhakto, always think of me, surrender to me. Well, what? That's not a good deal. Everybody in this world is telling me that all the time. But it's, it's reciprocal. Actually, it's not reciprocal because Krishna is telling us to give everything and then He gives us everything. So if I give God everything I have and He gives me everything He has, that's not reciprocal. I get a lot more. But Krishna has... Krishna loves His devotee. Actually, we can say Krishna loves the devotee more than the devotee can love Him. Like Robert says, we take one step towards Krishna, He takes ten steps towards us. Right? And Prabhupada's always saying, Krishna wants us to go home more than we do. So I, I can tell you honestly, I have children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. The parent always loves the child more. It's always like that. Sorry, it just is. The children take the parents to grant for granted to some extent. And if there's a break between parent and child, the parent suffers much more than the child. Just, just is. You know, the parent will die for the child. The child may not die for the parent. It, it, Krishna actually loves the devotees more than the devotees can love. So because love and separation is very relishable, because the, that enjoyable feeling of love is increased by thousands and millions of times, so Krishna also relishes the love of separ being in separation from his devotees. Right, like the Lord talks about with Ambarish, the devotees are in my heart and I am in their heart. Or Krishna says in the Gita, he's never lost to me, I've never lost to them. So Jagannath, we were saying each incarnation of the Lord has a particular mood, a particular opulence, a particular rasa. So this particular mood of Jagannath is this Vipralamba Bhava. 
And in this ecstasy, he looks a little odd-looking, Prabhupada says. In this separation, you know, I mean, Mahaprabhu also has a form something like this, like his limbs get retracted, right? Like this kind of turtle form. So when the Lord is in this separation, the love is so intense that his limbs withdraw, his eyes get wide. Where is my devotee? Where is Vrindavan? Now because the Lord is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, wants to experience Radha's love, and he wants to especially experience his Vipralamba Bhav, then Jagannath Puri is a very suitable place for him to be. And so in the same chapter, Madhya 13, of Lord Chaitanya dancing in the Ratha verses 135 to 148, are about the mood of separation, especially of Srimati Radharani, but also of the gopis, Soda and Nanda, because the gopis like to include the others. They like to say, well, it's not just us that's missing you. What about your mother and father? <laughs> you know, a little transcendental manipulation there. If you don't care about us, you should care about your mother, right? So because Mahaprabhu is wanting to experience this Vipralamba Bhav or Srimati Radharani, what better place than where Krishna is experiencing this Vipralamba Bhav? So there, Radha and Krishna are experiencing this love and separation together as Jagannath and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Does everybody follow this? Okay. Where in Krishna's Leela does Krishna and Radharani come together to experience separation from Vrindavan? At Kurukshetra. At Kurukshetra, Radha and Krishna are together and together they are experiencing separation from Vrindavan. And it's especially acute because when Krishna goes, who's ever phoned here, you just jump to something. Uh, I think you got a phone call. So when Krishna goes to Mathura, they have some hope that he's going to come back. Yes? But when they separate a Kurukshetra, not so much hope. Isn't it? Not so much hope. So therefore we say that this Ratiyatra is to bring Krishna back to Vrindavan. Because that is the desire when Krishna meets the residents of Vrindavan. And we were talking specifically about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Radharani, but he meets most of the residents of Vrindavan. Not all. What residents of Vrindavan does he not meet at Kurukshetra? This is a trick question. No, he can't meet all of them. Maybe some very elderly, but Nandan is sort of considered elderly. They're there. This is a trick question. You have to think out of the box. The cows! Aww. The trees. The deer. They don't come. And of course, somebody has to stay back to milk the cows also. Any of you have ever done anything with cows? And if you want to travel with a dog, it's annoying. When I grew up, my father had a dog. If you don't have a dog, keep it that way. But you know, you travel with a dog, it's annoying. You have to put them in a kennel or else you have to try to take them with you and find places to 
hotels that will let dogs. But traveling with cows? I didn't travel with cows. I mean, it's hard to travel with horses. Like, you have to have a horse. Do you have to have a cow trailer and then you have to stop and milk your cow? You know, some people have cows. They don't usually travel a lot. Or somebody has to stay there with the cows. So not all the residents of Vrindavan got to go to Kukshetra. But anyway, the cowherd boys were there. Most of the residents of Vrindavan, they were there. It wasn't just Srimati Radharani. And this is, they all wanted to bring Krishna back to Vrindavan. Now it's very interesting, in each abode, the devotees feel that they serve Krishna the best. Like in Dwarka, they are feeling, oh, those residents of Vrindavan, they don't know how to take care of Krishna. Right? We know how to take care of him. We know how to treat him royally. And the residents of Vrindavan, they think, oh, in Dwarka, they don't know how to take care of Krishna. They treat him with too much awe and reverence. Krishna has more fun in Vrindavan. So the residents of Vrindavan, they're not, it's not selfish. They're not thinking, well, we just want to enjoy Krishna. They're thinking we want to take Krishna back to where he's the happiest. So this is the festival, the feeling festival of fulfilling this desire of Krishna and Balaram and Subhadra, who had, wasn't in Vrindavan previously, right? to go to Vrindavan. And then all of the residents of Vrindavan would go with. So in the festival, there's Mahaprabhu dancing in the festival with Srimati Radharani. And Mahaprabhu's associates are also gopis, cowherd boys. Most of Lord Nityananda's associates, for example, are cowherd boys. And all of the chief residents of Vrindavan, they're also there in some form in Mahaprabhu's Leela. And so they're all, wow, we're taking Krishna and Balaram back to Vrindavan. And they're so happy about this, that what are they doing in the festival? They are dancing. Like those of you who went yesterday, we were dancing the whole way, yes? Dancing and singing the whole way. We're taking you back home to Vrindavan. All right. Now, how are we going to enter into this? So for this, we're going to look at... Now we, want, now we know where we want to go, right? Does everyone at least have a little interest in going after this description? Yeah. At least something. Okay. Prabhupada said, if we can follow in the footsteps of the residents of Vrindavan to a minute degree, then our life is successful. So who here has at least one minute iota of a desire to engage in this union and separation and bringing Krishna back to Vrindavan? Who has at least some, an iota, a minute degree? Oh, some of you don't. Then I have to go back and give the first part of the class again. <laughs> so, if you don't have even a minute degree, you're going to be very bored with this next thing. I'm sorry. I'll just look at something on your phone and pretend to be listening. So this is from C.C. Majulila 13.137. I'm just going to read the translation and the purport. Speaking in the Muda Srimati Radharani, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, For most people, the mind and heart are one. But because my mind is never separated from Vrindavan, I consider my mind and Vrindavan to be one. My mind is already Vrindavan, and since you like Vrindavan, will you please place your lotus feet there? I would deem that your full mercy. Srila Prabhupada's purport. The mind's activities are thinking, feeling, and willing. Everyone has heard this? Before, you're all familiar? By which the mind accepts, please listen very carefully, because this is a key, 
Do you like a key? Okay, this is a key. By which the mind accepts materially favorable things and rejects the unfavorable. This is the consciousness of people in general. But when one's mind does not accept and reject, but simply becomes fixed on the lotus feet of Krishna, then one's mind becomes as good as Vrindavan. Right? Now, I'm not going to read the whole purport, but we're going to go on to the next verse. One thirty-eight translation. My dear Lord, kindly hear my true submission. My home is Vrindavana, and I wish your association there. But if I do not get it, then it will be very difficult for me to keep my life to the Prabhupada's purport. Only when the mind is free from designations can one desire the association of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Now that's also crucial. Does this remind us of some verse? The mind must have some occupation. Is this a repeating theme in Srila Prabhupada's books? If a person is to be free of material things, his mind cannot be vacant. There must be subject matters for thinking, feeling, and willing. We just heard that, right? In the last purpose. Unless, ready? These are the little grooves on the key. Unless one's mind is filled with thoughts of Krishna, feelings for Krishna, and a desire to serve Krishna, the mind will be filled with material activities. Alright, so what is Srila Prabhupada saying here? He's saying that our mind generally is accepting and rejecting. We talked about that in the beginning. That's Bogatyaga. Yes? Attachment and aversion. And we'll get attachment and aversion for the same thing at different times. Now I want to eat pizza, now I don't like pizza. Constantly, in material consciousness, we have a designation. We have an identity and according to that identity, we have certain attachments and aversions. Right? We have an identity according to our role. I'm so-and-so's child. I'm so-and-so's spouse. I'm so-and-so's parent. I'm a banker. I'm an IT specialist. I'm a medical doctor. I'm Indian, I'm Pakistani, I'm Peruvian, I'm American, I'm Canadian. We have an identity according to our qualities. I'm very jovial, I'm very serious, I'm very critical, I'm very optimistic. Or something comparison. I'm richer, I'm poorer, I'm fatter, I'm thinner, I'm healthier, I'm sicker, I'm stronger, I'm weaker. We have all these designations and then we have accepting and rejecting according to these designations. You know, if I'm a, a good, I'm a very good son from a Paka South Indian Brahmana family, then I accept taking care of my parents. Why? Because that makes me a very good son. Does that make sense to everybody? 
We're accepting something and rejecting something according to our identity. Like many people, they vote for something according to, oh, I'm a conservative, therefore I have to vote for this party and this person, because they're also conservatives like me. Everybody follow? What we accept, what we reject, is according to our identity. It's like I have some concept, I am a this, and then I think, what would a good version of this do? And that's what I do. And so constantly, thoughts and feelings, thinking, feeling, willing, is going through my mind, and I am saying, I like this, I don't like this. I like this, I don't like this. I don't like this, I like this, according to my designation. And when that happens, we are carried on the waves of the modes of material nature. And we are full of all these different thoughts and feelings and desires that batter us around on the shores of Bogotian, which we talked about in the beginning. Is that a very nice place to be? No, this is called the ocean of material existence. We're just being battered around by Sattva, Rajas, and Tamas, and according to our identity, I like this, I don't like this, I like this, I don't like this. This is good, this is bad. And we have all of these stories we make up about what's, what the world is about and what we should do. I like this person because they're nice to me. I don't like this person because they're not nice to me. I like this person because we have the same amount of melanin in our skin. I like this person because we have the same accent. I don't like this person because they're from the wrong side of town. Isn't that a fact? When I was leaving China, 10 days in China, and nobody spoke English, like only my translator. People don't even know, like, hello. Seriously, never. Only country I've been in where like nobody knew English. Even Russia, a lot of people know. And I'm finally leaving in the airport in Shanghai and I hear somebody speaking in English. In the line. And not only English, American English. Whoa. And not only were they speaking American English, it was a New York, North Jersey accent. I was like, my people! <laughs> so this is when we have this designation. This is a good person, this is a bad, this is a good thing, this is a bad thing. And, but we're never happy. Yes? So what do we do? We detach ourselves from that. I am not these things. Not any of those things. I've been so many things. I've been all of these things. I've been male, I've been female, I've been Indian, I've been Chinese, I've been Peruvian, I've been the demigod. Maybe I've been a little worm. I don't know, I hope I haven't been a little worm, but maybe. You know, I've been all of these things. And in each of these things, I had some boga and tiaga, and I was accepting and rejecting, and I had all these stories about what's happening, and all these things to think about, and all these things to feel, and all these things to desire, and they're all nonsense. And I just look at it and go, that's not me. It's not me. But I don't want to be a nothing. The impersonalists and the Buddhists, they understand this. 
they understand that you just move back and you watch the thoughts and the feelings and the desires and you go, not me, not me, not me, not me. Until you come to peace. And we all want peace. <laughs> Krishna says there's no happiness without peace. But we don't want to end at peace. We want to have some thinking, feeling, and willing that's real. If I just give up the thinking, feeling, and willing of the false thing, and then I'm just left with peace. Peace. And more peace. That's okay for five minutes or 15 minutes. Peace. Just leave me alone. What are you doing? Nothing. <laughs> You know, that's okay for a few minutes. Right? Like after we walked in there at the actor, I said, let's just sit down for a few minutes before we do anything else. But after a while, it's like, okay, now let's go do something. So we want to make our mind and our heart Vrindavan. We want to think about the activities of Vrindavan. We want to feel the feelings of Vrindavan. And we want to desire the desires of Vrindavan. Now I'm going to teach you a little trick. Because you might say, oh, Ramila, that's way too high. 5,000 lifetimes from now, maybe. So I'm going to teach you a little trick. Take the thoughts and feelings and desires we have due to our false identification and use them as an impetus to segue to the real. If I'm feeling grief, I think, where in Vrindavan is there some grief? If I'm feeling anger, where in Vrindavan is there some anger? Were they angry at, at Kaliya? Oh yeah, very angry. They were angry at Akura. And then how did they feel? And I'm feeling wonder. What wonder is there in Vrindavan? Krishna lifting Govardhan Hill? Whatever thoughts, feelings, and desires we have. Don't try to kill them. Okay, that doesn't work. Please don't do that. Use them as an impetus to move to the spiritual. Because every thought, feeling, and desire we have is a reflection of something spiritual. And you can think, what is there in Krishna? I have a, a, a nice devotee friend. And she and her husband were falsely accused of very terrible things. And so they were feeling a lot of grief, a lot of fear, a lot of angst. And I said, what in Lila can you meditate? They didn't take Vrindavan Lila. But they took the Pandavas being unfairly exiled, cheated at dice and unfairly exiled. And I said, I was talking to the couple and I said, who do you want to meditate on? And the husband said, Nakula. I said, okay. How did Nakula feel? And we started going deeper and deeper and deeper into how did Nakula feel when he's exiled for 13 years 
Right? He had to leave his children in Indraprastha. And he had another, all the Pandavas also had another wife. He had to leave his other wife, he just with Draupadi. And it was his brother who had gambled him. How did he feel? And as we got deeper and deeper and deeper into how did Nakula feel, then all of the angst and fear and that these devotees had about how they were being treated in this world, it just, it was just gone. And instead they were feeling something real. And my dear friends, we can always do this. Prabhupada says we should learn these spiritual techniques. Use our, the, according to who we think we are in this world, our thoughts, feelings, and desires, use that as a bridge to something real. And eventually we become saturated with Vrindavan. And then guess what? When Mahaprabhu and all the devotees are bringing Jagannath to Vrindavan, they will also bring Jagannath to our heart and mind because our heart and mind will be Vrindavan. And just like Gova Mangala Thakur said, My dear Lord, you may run away from my periphery, my area, but I, you cannot run away from my heart. I've imprisoned you in my heart. So if our mind and heart are Vrindavan, then the Lord is always there. Then the Rathayatra means that we're pulling Jagannath Balaram Subhadra right into our own heart. Where we will experience these moods of union and separation eternally, which are so relishable that these reflections in this world will be nothing. Like Dhruvamara said, when I have a diamond, why do I want broken pieces of glass? So we have gone to 7.34. Do we have time for questions or should we end here? Questions, comments, corrections, additions, subtractions? Yes. So, Mataji, you mentioned that uh, Jagannath, Balram, and Subhadra, they would all three pull back to Vrindavan. Yes. So, if you could elaborate on the role of Subhadra, how, like you said, Jagannath. Oh, the role of Subhadra is one of the most enigmatic. She's one of the most enigmatic personalities, so I'm not sure how much I can, I can uh, add. Especially in this particular context, because. Jagannath and Badra are definitely in Vrindavan, but Subhadra was not there. She was not there. So how is that in the picture? Of course, Subhadra is the personification of Yogamaya. Yogamaya is always there. So she's there in another form, another expansion as Yogamaya. So she's, you know, Subhadra is, is Yogamaya there in Dwarka. And then she comes and is... I, I see it's like... Krishna and Balaram are also like the Dwarka Krishna and Balaram, but they come and they assume their Vrindavan aspects. So the same would be true for Subhadra. But she's a very interesting personality. There's, there's much more we do not know about Subhadra than that we do. Yes. Our 
Okay, you are asking a perpetual question. You, you have just asked one of the top five questions that are asked in the Hare Krishna movement. And if I can rephrase your question, you're asking how can I get, be, be steady in my experiences in bhakti? So people ask that either how can I be steady in the external practices of bhakti or how can, how can I feel steadiness and increase in my experiences of bhakti? I don't know if you're going to like my answer. You're not going to be steady until you're steady. And you're not going to be steady until 40 to 50% of your inertias are removed. It, it's something like, you know, when you're practicing, we're talking about sadhana bhakti. When you're practicing something, you're not always going to connect with it. It's going to be there's going to be some aspect of it being a chore at least sometimes. That's, that's the unfortunate situation, particularly of Vaidhi Sadhana Bhakti, but even the beginning stages of Raganuga Sadhana Bhakti. Sadhana means it's a Vyas Yoga. It's a rep you're repeating something. And you're repeating something with a deliberate act of will. So in Vaidhi Bhakti, your deliberate act of will is motivated by mostly logic and philosophy. In Raganuga Bhakti, your deliberate act of will is motivated mostly by taste. But even then, it's a deliberate act of will, and anything that's done by a deliberate act of will is sometimes not going to have the taste in it. Even Raganuga, it's a Raganuga Sadhana Bhakti. And it's interesting in, uh, in Madhurya Kadambani, so Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur says, until a shakti, which is right at the border of bhava, the mind will wander to material things and have to be brought back by deliberate action. That's interesting. So even at steadiness and even at taste, the mind is going to have a tendency to say, I'm bored, let me go someplace else. Isn't that interesting? And that even will be absorbed in Krishna and the mind will go to something material and there has to be some deliberate effort to pull it back. Now, as one gets to Nista, that deliberate effort to pull it back is almost seamless. And at Ruchi, it's pretty much seamless. It's at a Shakti that there's a switch that the mind naturally goes to Krishna, that we become bored with material things. And if somebody's talking about, you know, this or that politics or this or that sports, or you very quickly become bored with it and your mind goes to Krishna. There's a very funny conversation Prabhupada was having with some devotees in Bengal. And Prabhupada says, yes, these Bengali women, they have dark hair and dark eyes. They are so beautiful. And one devotee says, Krishna has dark hair and dark eyes. And Prabhupada laughed. He said, we are talking about Maya. Why are you bringing it to Krishna? <laughs> Prabhupada was joking. And so this it was a very, a very funny conversation. So this is an asakti. It's like that. 
As soon as the mind or something goes to maya, immediately we feel bored. Why? Why am I interested? Immediately we go to Krishna. So at bhava, it's just always there in Krishna. And in bhava, it means ecstasy. So at bhava, one is always feeling that ecstasy and always feeling the newness all the time. There's no more practice anymore. And even bhava is not perfection. But there's no more practice. It's, it's, it's not practice. And until we get to that stage, I'm afraid the only answer is to be patient. You know, it's just like, if you want, if you want to even learn something in this world, it's not you show up for your first dance class or your first violin class and it's all just going to be seamless joy. You know, musicians have a lot of joy playing their instruments, any of you who play instruments. But it's not that all they're practicing to get to that place was always like that. You know? And why is it difficult? You're not going to like this either, but this just has to be said, and this is not just about you, it's a, it's, it's a general thing. Why is it difficult? That's our fault. Just like when we were uh, driving into, in, on the highway, I think it was in Maryland, I don't remember, when we were driving here. I saw a number of signs about addiction. You know, just whatever it was, call 800, I'm ready to quit or something, I don't know. So, if you're addicted to something, alcohol or heroin or cocaine or something like that, and you go into a treatment center, I mean, I've never, thank you, Krishna, been addicted to anything in this life at least, it's painful. I've been told that withdrawal is very painful. And the treatments can be very painful. Now, for those of us who've never been addicted to anything, we don't have that pain. I don't have any, any pain that I'm not smoking or drinking. I, 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 I don't have it. I just breathe. I just, you know, I'm just living. <laughs> but somebody who develops this addiction, the process of becoming normal and healthy is a painful process. So we have become addicted to maya. And therefore the process of giving, us this, uh, giving up this addiction is difficult. And we have a tendency to, want, to keep wanting to go back. Even though that addiction caused us nothing but pain. The alcoholic, the heroin addict, they know it causes them nothing but pain. Still, it's not easy. So it's, it's our own fault that it's difficult. It's our own fault that we have other things that we've become accustomed to taking, you know, unsatisfying, satiating pleasure in. And that we hate ourselves for doing it and we do it anyway because we, you know, this is our fault and we have to be a little patient. But what we should be experiencing is we should have some at least some experiences of this to know that it's real. We should have enough times when our japa and kirtan and our shastric study and our talking about Krishna and our eating prasadam are so incredible and so fresh that we know that the thing in and of itself is real and the problem is me. Now if we're not having any of those experiences, we're in a lot of trouble. Not having any of those, if you're going, you know, two, three weeks and you haven't had 
any experience like that with Shastra or Prasadam or with Japa or with Kirtan or with worshipping the deity or dealing with the devotees, something's really wrong. Srila Prabhupada would, you know, gives the example from the 11th canto that we get nourishment, relief from hunger and satisfaction. And so from our bhakti, we should also get this nourishment, relief from our material desires and satisfaction. He says, there's only two reasons why you don't. Either you're not really eating, or there's some worms in your stomach that are taking all the nourishment. So if, if our Krishna conscious activities are consistently boring and dry over some period of time, then either we're not actually doing Krishna conscious activities, like you're not really eating, you're chewing gum. So chewing gum, there's some taste in the mouth, and but you're not actually eating anything. So sometimes we can look like we're doing bhakti, but we're not actually. Or we're, we're very offensive. We've committed some grievous offense that's acting like a, a parasite and stealing our joy. So uh, Jiva Goswami warns that if we're intentionally inattentive, you know, in the beginning everyone's a little inattentive, but if we're intentionally inattentive, then we'll start getting satisfaction from external things, and we'll start being drawn to things that destroy our faith in bhakti. So at least we should have times, and those times should be increasing. They should be increasing. Maybe not every day, and maybe not every minute, but overall, they should be increasing. There's going to be bad days and bad hours and maybe even a bad week, but overall, things should be increasing. And overall, things should be reliably increasing. Overall. So that you, generally, when you see the deities, you feel like, wow. Now, maybe sometimes you don't. Maybe sometimes you walk in the temple room and you forgot your bee bag and you just offer your base and season to get your bee bag and you go out. You don't even notice, right? I'm going to tell, yeah, there's God on the altar, whatever. But generally, and again, if, that, if, it, if that's not the case, then something, something's wrong. And it's, it's going to be one of those two things. Either you look like you're doing bhakti, but it's not. You're doing something else that looks like bhakti. This is very nicely described in the sixth verse of the Srimanashiksha of Raghunath Das Goswami. Well, you think you're getting clean and you're bathing in donkey urine. Everybody loves that verse, especially the kids. Or you're really doing bhakti, but everything you're doing, Bhakti Chu Swami once said uh, to me, he said, it's like a bucket with holes. You're pouring water in the bucket, but it's all coming out the holes. So it's real water. So either it's not real water, it's donkey urine. Sorry, blame Raghunath Daskal Swami for that. That's not. So either it's not real water, it's donkey urine. It's a liquid. So you think, oh, it's real, but it's the wrong liquid. Or it's the real water, but you have holes in your bucket. Okay, but to but take some time. We have we have a lot of anarchists, we have a lot of attachments. It doesn't have to take a lot of time, but generally it does. It's our fault. Prabhupada says we can become Krishna conscious in a moment. Okay, Ermila, are you ready to give up all your material attachments? No! That's why it doesn't happen in a moment. 
the rest of them, Krishna, you can have that. But uh, that one, no. I don't even have that one, see? It's not there. You know, that, that's why. And eventually Krishna's like, what are you hiding behind your back? No, nothing, Lord. <laughs> I've given you everything. You don't look like right that. You know, so that's the problem. Is that all right? But that is, that is one, of, one of the questions. Okay, I think we've gone way over. And you have other things? Yes? Prasadam. Okay. Lord Jagannath Ki Jai. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Ki Jai. Rati Yatra, the Feeling Festival Ki Jai. Srila Prabhupada, who's the one who told us all about all these things? Ki Jai.